And now it's time for Eastcast and reports from coastal stations. East Utsira, West Utsira, South West Utsira and North North East Utsira. Wind South West, rain at times, good. Forties, fifties, sixties, Tyne, Dogger, German Bite, French Kiss and Swiss Roll. Westerly becoming cyclonic, good. Right here in London's East End. Operating at any level, any time, anywhere, and with anybody. Who are they? One might be your secretary, your doctor's receptionist, or a dancer in a go-go club. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Now, now, now. Hello and welcome to Eastcast. We hope you're enjoying your Monday morning, whatever you're up to. Now, here at Eastcast, we come together once a fortnight to bring you the best in arts and culture from East London. I'm here with the rest of the Eastcast gang, Anna Xavier, Martha McAlpine and Zoe Byrant. And we've got a great show coming up, haven't we, Martha? We do. Thanks, Pearl. Um, we've got guests on the show today. So um, first guest, if you're a creative business and you need some help, um, Ansel Nichols is here to help you. He's from Let's Be Brief and uh, they are running a pop-up training school at the moment. So we're going to find out about that. We've got Anna Maloney from Hackney Wicked Festival, uh, annual arts festival. And um, if we can fit them in, uh, as there's seven, as a, seven of them, uh, Folkster's Wrinkle Finch will be coming in as well. And finally, um, we look back to over a year ago um, to listen to John Dolan, who is a homeless artist um, who's created a portfolio of work and he's now actually exhibiting at the Howard Griffin Gallery. And yes, of course, as well as Ringle Finch, I've selected some tunes from bands and acts playing in East London over the next fortnight. We'll be hearing the sounds of Songhoi Blues, The Range, Jacko Gardner, and let's kick off with a little dip into some 70s psychedelic rock.
So that was Blues Pills with High Class Woman. So everything about Blues Pills screams psychedelic rock from their album cover, their look, and of course their sound. And it's a bit of a throwback into another era. But actually, these guys were born way after that. They're all in their early 20s. You would never guess from the sound. Um, they're from Sweden. And, um, Are we yeah. talking 80s here? Late, uh, mid-70s. Mid-70s. Late, yeah, mid okay. to late 70s. Kind of um, Easy Rider kind of era. America. So, so they've been just, doing some research into the Yeah, past. I think they, it's a sort of bit of a nostalgia fest. Um, so Blues Pills will be uh, launching their debut album, which is also called Blues Pills, at Rough Trade East on Friday, the 29th of July. Um, it's 1pm and it's free to get in. So now we're joined by Ansel Nichols from Let's Be Brief. Hello. Hi, Ansel. So you and your partner, <laughs> Stephanie, have launched um, the second series of, is it the second one? Second yeah. pop-up school, that's correct. Okay, yes. and that's um, mainly taking place at the print house in Ashwin Street. That's correct. Um, in collaboration with our partners, Bootstrap Company, DNAD and Fashion Sunday, we're running... Uh, a five-day um, pop-up school over the course of two weeks, starting from the 21st Monday. So these workshops and talks are kind of geared to people who are either in or have a leaning towards the creative industries. Yes, I mean, we use the term creative and creativity in a very lateral sense. I suppose if you're trying to build a business, I think lateral thinking is a essential component of any business. So creativity, when it comes to building a brand, I think is is a must. Being able to communicate the nature of your brand is essential if you're going to be successful in the marketplace. So that's the kind of angle that we take with regards to creativity and creative communities. So give us an idea of what some of the workshops and events that have been taking place over this um season well we call it friendly professional development for creative industry because we realized that you know there are a lot of burgeoning businesses in the local area that are doing amazing things and i really need that little bit of a kickstart to help build something tangible as, as a business proposition so our first workshop we did um on monday monday 21st was brand building so that's kind of helping you to understand your brand your brand proposition and to realize that your brand is more than just a logo. It's your values, it's your value systems, and it's how that kind of transfers through all of your communications. So we kind of look at essential case studies of how that works, how it doesn't work so well in certain instances, and just kind of give people an essential toolkit of how to go away and think more kind of holistically about how their brand works. That's quite interesting because a lot of people, just from experience, um, a lot of people kind of create their brand before they even know really where their business is going. This is it. And a lot of people create brands without even realising who they're talking to. And what we always like to, you know, ensure people understand, a central component is the fact that you're actually initiating a conversation. So understanding your audience is key to creating a brand that speaks to that audience. Because otherwise you're just kind of creating arbitrary bits of communication that your mum might like or your other half might think looks great, but doesn't communicate to the people you're actually trying to sell or talk to. So we kind of look at it. 
in a 360 sense. So who are the experts that have come in and, and, and talked to your audience to explain to them how to, you know, giving them the tools to create their brand or the other elements that they need to, for their creative business? Oh, well, they're fortunate because mm. those experts just so happen to be me and Steph. Um, <laughs> my, just, just to give you a bit of a background as to where we've come from before we set up our own creative agency, because we're a creative and cultural agency, so we're a practicing creative agency um, in its own right anyway. So as practitioners, we're able to really look at the current cultural zeitgeists and to be able to give people really pertinent and relevant talking points and ways of doing things. My background is as a creative, I'm a copywriter and art director by trade. I've worked with many a big brands, sold stuff that I couldn't afford, cars that I had no right to be able to drive, <laughs> um, Guardian newspapers, Pampers, worked on a lot of um, fast-moving consumer goods. So kind of understanding the whole brand and the branding mix has been something that I've done since, since I was a wee lad. And Steph comes from television initially. Um, she was a presenter, which you may have seen her face on MTV at some point a few years ago. Um, she then went into fashion, um, ran her own fashion label. So she had practical experience of bringing her a brand to market. So we kind of bring all of, all of these experiences and skill sets to the teaching process. Can I ask, um, this seems to be a bit of a movement where there, there seems to be more and more co um, creative businesses, you know, small businesses. Yeah. And would you say this is you know, from your background as well, this is partly to do with sort of people going freelance and kind of leaving these big companies or being made redundant, for example, or just wanting to kind of realising they can actually do it on their own? I think you do it for so long for somebody else and then you realize actually sometimes there's better ways for it to be done and sometimes the bigger organizations that um develop brand and brand messages are sometimes a little bit behind the curve in some senses and you have a lot of very progressive thinkers that then think actually i can think of more sustainable more kind of progressive ways of doing this and i think that's why you've seen a, you know, a glut of smaller, more flexible, more agile agencies pop up with a view to kind of delivering for smaller, more flexible, agile businesses, because not everybody can afford the multi-million pound budgets that big agencies yeah. kind of require in order to create a brand. When you say progressive as well, in what kind of sense do I you think mean? progressive is understanding the cycle of communications. It's, we don't live in a passive age where you're just yeah. creating advertising, you just chuck it at people and it comes through the television and we sit there at 7.30 in between... Bruce Forsyth's play your cards right and mm. just go thank you very much it's about the conversation it's about the cycle it's about understanding social media it's about realizing that your brand is accountable and the more progressive yeah. brands realize that accountability is an essential component of their brand so your branding is often about your process what you do and how you do it not just about how you sell it so we look at all of these areas as an essential kind of mix and I think that was what I would call a more progressive kind of approach to branding it's not all about selling. We don't like <laughs> to think so, you know, in, in the long term, you know, we're a bit hip to that. People have yeah. been sold to for quite a long time and it's worked on some of us. And there are some that are saying thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. So we kind of need to take a slightly different approach, which is where our second workshop comes <laughs> into play. I like the segue. <laughs> that was, that was, that, you, you guys Very are doing smooth. it. That was smooth. It's an organic process, <laughs> smooth. I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so basically, um, tell, don't sell, um, modern marketing. Um, and people might think, what's the difference between branding and marketing? Well, your marketing is as much about your strategy and your strategic approach and the idea of storytelling and how you build what we call successful storytelling into your marketing mix. So 
you know, your experiences, how you've built your brand, the things that have gone wrong even can play an essential part in helping people to, you know, um, find a level of trust and insight into what you do and why you do it and why they should engage with you as a brand. So marketing is now becoming much more of an organic process. So we look at, again, brilliant case studies of how that works, projects that we've worked on and developed ourselves, and to be able to pull out the kind of fine points of success and also those small points of failure that help you ultimately learn to do it a bit better next time. So so is there a blackboard with a, you know, chalk and, you know, this is how we do it, or is it more of a... We, PowerPoint. <laughs> we go for the we PowerPoints. Got, PowerPoint. Oh, okay, okay. Oh my goodness. We hate no, I'm talking Prezi, Prezi presentation. Prezi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm clearly not in the 21st century. And we've got a bit of a, um, we we um we work from laptop. We have a presentation, but it's very much a conversation. You know, it's not just a case of look at us. We're the really authorities because we're learning from the people in the session. So it's understanding their brands to be able to kind of tailor our sessions as those sessions develop to be able to provide insights into what they're doing and how they can develop, not just by learning or kind of voyeuristically staring at case studies that they might not understand how they relate to them. We kind of then pick out elements of their brand and then show them how those links are quite tangible. So it's not so much about the budget, it's often about the core thinking and how that can then translate into how their brands work. So it's a lot of talking and conversation. Um, yeah, it does. And um, we're running out of time. Fine, but, sorry. But um, you, when this show goes out, we uh, there are two more events. Two more, that's correct, yep. yes. So what's Films for Free, quickly? Films for Free is an amazing um, event on Dawson Roof Park where we're asking filmmakers and directors to contribute their content. Um, and it's about the intersection between film and music. And that's on July that's the on 29th. July 29th. Um, and yeah. then you've got something at the Oval Space. On we the have something at Oval Space, yes, for Fashion Sunday, which is a fashion expo. We are um, running a talk with two guys, Harris Elliott and Dean Chalkley, who currently have an exhibition running at Somerset House called The Return of the Rude Boy, which is an investigation into um, rude boy culture and how it kind of made its journey to Britain on the Windrush and other forms of transport became you know an essential component of mod culture in 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 britain so it's looking at the style and the aesthetic but also the idea of the rude boy as a political movement so, you guys involved in some quite interesting stuff you know we, we, we're trying <laughs> so we're trying. if anyone wants to find out more about let's be brief find out about the workshops what do they need to do track us down at letsbebrief.co.uk we have a standalone site for all of the pop-up school content which is lbbpopupschool.co.uk but you can find everything at letsbebrief.co.uk anyway and you also have a show on NTS. We have a show on NTS because, you know, we, we have partners in good taste. So, <laughs> of course. Yeah, of course. so that, that's always a good way to reach an audience. Um, you can get us at hello at letsbebrief.co.uk or letsbebriefcrew on the old Twitter. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Hans. <laughs> Thank you for having us. <laughs> Thank you. All right, see you soon. I'll be, I'll be going to films for free, by the way. Woop woop. <laughs> see you there. <laughs> Cheers. Um, so on to some more music. Uh, hailing from Mali, and if anyone doesn't know where Mali is, it is in West Africa. And um, this is uh, Songhoi Blues, and they're part of a whole collective of musicians that were featured on the African Express project, which um, Damon Olban and Brian Eno were involved in. 
And um, as many of these Malian musicians have been under threat from Islamic rule um, that was actually banning music, um, they're having to find other places to play. So the UK has been one of those places and kind of been very open to listening to some of this music. And this band will be playing at a very intimate concert at the Servant Jazz Quarters on Tuesday the 30th of July. And they'll also be playing at the Vision Festival on London, um, all happening all around London Fields on the 2nd of August. So this is Songhoi Blues with Subo. <laughs>
And that was the lovely Subor by Songhoi Blues. And just a quick reminder, you can get in touch with us at any time. Um, we're on Twitter, at East Coast Show, and Facebook, obviously. So uh, if you want to say hello, then please do. Or you can check out all our interviews, listings, and music as well online at eastcoastshow.com. Uh, now, uh, Anna's just arrived. so just Hello, everyone. Hello. <laughs> she's <laughs> hot and she's sweaty, but she's here. So all is well. Beautiful image for all of our listeners, right? <laughs> she's naked, by the way. <laughs> Yep, I am. No, she's just been away on holidays, so she's very chilled out. Um, so over a year ago, walking down Shoreditch High Street, ex-Eastcaster Tom Ducrow met a homeless artist called John Dolan and his company dog, George. And after three years of living on the streets, illustrating the changing environment of Shoreditch, uh, today John has actually published a book and sold hundreds of his drawings and he's now exhibiting his street art um, at the Gallery Howard Griffin. Uh, John Dolan and I'm a street artist uh, and I sit on Shoreditch High Street uh, drawing, yeah, drawing. Fantastic. And I'm sat in front of you now looking at some of your drawings. Uh, lots of features. George, uh, who's a, he's a staffer, yeah? Yeah, he's a staffer, he's a bull terrier. He's, uh, he's fantastic. And, and um, lots of, also feature the sort of some of the architecture of the area as well. Tell, tell me about this, this picture over here, which, which building is that? That's the tree building, um, that's on the corner of Shoreditch High Street and Bethel Green Road. And, and have, you been, have you been drawing for long? Yeah, um, I mean seriously, uh, I've been drawing for the last two years, but I mean I'm a naturally gifted artist. It was something passed down the genes from my grandfather. I've always been able to draw, but uh, at the minute, well for the last two years it's been a way of life. It's been the only means of income. Um, which, is, which is good, and, and people really do like my work, which is another bonus. Well, I can I can certainly see why. That's fantastic. And and you were saying that pics of buildings are, and are, are pretty popular. Are there any other types of drawings that are very, very the, popular? The, um, the, the, the pictures of George, uh, dog, my dog George. Um, the, as soon as I draw on that shell, <laughs> uh, I feel a bit better about myself. Have you, have you been uh, a street artist for long, or what, what, what were you doing before that? I fell, I fell, I fell it well before then. Um, uh, I led a life of petty crime. I was in and out of jail. Um, homeless as well. Um, I've had an history of homelessness that goes back 20 years, and an history of uh, just in and out of jail, uh, petty skullduggery, um, nothing too serious. But I was in a revolving door for many years, and I couldn't seem to get myself out of it. And then um, one, I broke my ankle while I was up to no good one night. And as a result, after I was sitting, uh, which put me on crutches for the best part of three years. Um, and I had to result to just sitting on the street, begging in general, which is something I found really hard because I don't come from that kind of a background where you, you ask for help in that way. But I had to humble myself and do precisely that. And from there, 
uh, I picked up the pen again, um, which was about two years ago, and I thought rather than just sit there with my hand, I'd sit there and draw, uh, to take my mind off having to sit there with my hand out. And just by accident, well, I don't know if it was by accident, I mean, I must obviously have a talent because people really love my work, and I'm published as well, but uh, my work started selling, which gave me a bit of encouragement to keep it up. And then uh, within about three months of me sat there drawing, uh, I was published in um, a book, and then a year later I got published in a magazine. Um, and I'm getting published in another magazine soon as well. But yeah, that gave me encouragement to prove it up as well. saying you've got had a history of homelessness yourself but yeah. you, you aren't currently homeless? No, I've got cancer accommodation there. Uh, I live in the area, in the Shoreditch area. Um, you know, so uh, that, that's all good. And uh, in terms of your art, what, what's the next step for yourself now? I mean, you, you're doing wonderful line drawings on paper, you're doing some canvases as well. What, what's, um, what's the next thing you really want to go for? Uh, the, the only thing in, in life I really want to do at the minute, because I've achieved one thing and that was to get noticed. As I've now got an award, I've got an organisation that's going to be selling me canvases or me, me prints online. And so, what um, was the name of that organisation? Uh, street Art Stroke Org UK, I think. Um, something like that. But it's Street Art. Anyway, uh, and that's based in, um, that's based in uh, Griffith Street, Shoreditch. Uh, my next thing to, I want to do is just. Um, Hopefully exhibit at the Royal Academy uh, when they open their doors to the public each year. Um, I understand that you have to pay uh, uh, a fee um, and then the judges decide whether they put your stuff up, hang it with the greats. And that's something I'd like to do, you know, use a bit of recognition and that's it really, that's, that's it, yeah. When you walk, walk, uh, approach me, I do look like any other beggar until you get close and you see the dog sat in front of uh, a cup or an app and you'll see me sat there drawing and I'll have my portfolio folder opened up with my drawings on display. I don't advertise, I haven't got anything up saying that I sell my pictures. If people ask and uh, I'll tell them what it is I'm exactly doing, so it's fit. That's brilliant. And yeah. you, you do commissions as well? Do commissions, I do, do everything, um, anything, anything and everything. Have you had any weird requests? Um, no, I'm just waiting. For <laughs> I'm waiting. I, I'm afraid after this interview we might send you some, yeah. some slightly unusual ones. Um, that's fantastic. And so, whereabouts on Short High Street are you? Um, I'm next to the sports bar. It's the, uh, the strip, the strip joint. Which is which um, is opposite the Texaco opposite garage. The, yeah, opposite the Texaco Texaco garage. Uh, so if you'd like to go and visit uh, George uh, and, and obviously the artist himself, John, please do go down to Shoreditch. Um, it, it's the very definition of affordable arts uh, if, if we're charging anywhere from uh, 10, 10 to £20 pounds. Exactly, and maybe a little more if it's a, it's yeah, a commission. Yeah, um, but, but do go down and help support local artists. John, thanks very much for talking to me Thank you very today. much. God Cheers. bless. Thank you. 
And that was uh, Tom DeCrow speaking to John Dolan there, who currently has an exhibition at the Howard Griffin Gallery. Very, very interesting. I've and seen... a big article in The Guardian recently. Oh, so people yes. are, um, you know, discovering this artist. And if you yeah. go uh, online, you can see some of his work and it's pretty impressive stuff. Yeah. And so we just have to point out that we discovered him a year ago. So we just want to stress that. <laughs> yeah. Are... Will there be four? <laughs> yes. We are on the path. Yeah, this is Eastcast. Yeah. Um, some more music definitely um so we are obviously in full festival season and east london is just awash with festivals they are everywhere um the one um happening next weekend as i mentioned before is the visions festival so i picked another track from an artist playing at that um this is by 25-year-old James Hilton, a.k.a. The Range, who's been making music since he was 13. Um, he's about to release his new album, Nonfiction, on Donkey Pitch in October and will be doing the festival circuit. Um, so, yeah, he's playing on the 2nd of August at the Visions Festival, um, which is happening at various venues around London Fields and um, showcases the more kind of alternative and underground that... Uh, of music at the moment so As east london is right yeah i mean perfect very place very perfect for that so this is the range with loft main
Loft Main by The Range there. Um, now, I'm very excited to introduce our next guest because she's the festival director of Hackney Wicked, um, which is an event that I've been to only once, but I absolutely loved it and I'm looking forward to going this year. The festival's actually in its sixth sixth year at the moment and it's been growing every single year since it's begun and it's now rather popular, I'd say. <laughs> and I'm into Introducing to you, Anna Maloney. Welcome to Eastcast. How are you? Hello. Yeah, very good. Hot, sweaty, frantic, but <laughs> that's normal when you're like just a week away from a massive festival. Well, thank you for coming in, um, even though you obviously got a lot to do at the moment. Uh, we appreciate it. So um, just to get a little bit of background on the festival, um, I know it kind of started in a fairly grassroots manner. I don't yeah. know if I'm right in saying that. Um, I mean, could you give us a bit more information about how it kind of begun? Yeah. I mean, 2008, um, there's a lot of artists living in Hackneywick, um, a lot of warehouses and, you know, people kind of live workspaces because it was a cheap place to be. Um, and some of the artists with studios and galleries just kind of literally were sitting around one day, probably drinking a beer, had a chat, <laughs> you know, um, wouldn't it, why, should we open the studios or oh, galleries and just literally decided um, to start an art festival. Um I wasn't part of those forming um, directors and um, it was on a, just a mix of people in the area. And they did that. I think the stage was just built out of bits of wood. Um, you know, there was probably 500 to 1,000 people, but it went really well and a lot of local people really enjoyed it. Um, 2009 is when I joined the team and I'd just been promoting Liverpool Capital of Culture for the last few years, but really into arts and culture, but never in London. So I just wanted to discover a new side of um, of London, that scene, and stumbled across Hackney Wicked Art Festival. And when I found Hackney Wick, I just fell in love with it. It was like, yeah. this is great. This <laughs> is the London I've been missing because it's kind of just all loads of parallels between the two cities, but also it's just a fantastic area. Um, and... At the time, there wasn't any res restaurants or bars. There's nothing there. So we actually ran a bar out of a caravan on a temporary events notice. And basically, the festival was formed from all of the artists in the area coming together, putting together fantastic performances, opening the studios, and just like, you know, the spirit of... Hartney Wick kind of came together through the network of the artists and that's how the festival has grown. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like even I sort of went up four years ago, I even feel like back then it was still sort of fairly niche in a way. Yeah. Um, but it's such a kind of atmosphere in the area because it's Hackney Wick is a place that you don't really see the kind of the inside of it. You don't see the richness of it from the outside. You just see buildings and factories and you kind of think, what is this place? And yeah. Hack Hackney Wick had seemed to be a space where it opens out everything and you see it. And that's really great, I think. That's as well. it. We kind of say it's like... Um, all the doors open to the closed warehouses and people get to explore the labyrinth, like the maze of what is actually happening behind the scenes. Mm. Um, and I think that's why it's been so f popular because people get to come in, see art in all its art, in all art forms. And like, it's kind of really a unique insight into the world of artists. And also big galleries come to our festival now, like the Serpentine Tate to come and look for wow. the latest talent because this is where like, you know, emerging artists can be found. Wow. I've got a little question. Um, Hackney Wick's becoming a bit of a party place as well. It's be kind of... Be <laughs> becoming! I mean, <laughs> it is. more mainstream. I mean, it is more mainstream, more for mainstream. sure. Yeah. Um, it, it always has been, but 
more for a kind of select few and now it's kind of become the place to go to for the weekend yeah um so i'm just wondering how you're kind of uh balancing that with the open studio idea and and for the festival because i mean i've been a couple of years in a row and there definitely seems to be more of a move towards the kind of party vibe and um so how how do you keep that balance of like it being an art festival that's the biggest challenge um mm. that's really been the biggest challenge for us not just in terms of the audience that we want to attra- attract to see the art and buy the art actually because you know it's a, that's what it's about as well supporting artists to be able to promote themselves and sell their art um it, it, it it's a challenge for us um but Actually, it's most challenging because um, the kind of additional costs that it puts in place for the festival and our festival is based on volunteers' work, Mm -hmm. the artists coming together and we now have to work very closely with the authorities and spend a lot of money like... Like the whole festival budget goes on production security waste waste. Would would who would have known it's going to cost nine thousand pounds to clean the streets of Hackney Wick? You know, like Mm -hmm. um, this is the boring stuff that people don't realise, but it it is very challenging for us, and we're put under really strict kind of conditions by the police and the councils just to be able to put the festival on. And I don't want to harp on about that too much because it's quite negative, and we've got to remember the spirit of the festival is what we're trying to actually preserve. Mm -hmm. Um, So the double edged sword type of that scenario which kind of started from 2011 mm. is that we regrouped we had a year out in 2012 I say a year out we didn't do the festival in its full effect but we split it up into open studios event a film event um, a curated exhibition of a retrospect and had small events throughout the year that we felt represented the festival and we actually did that as well not only to avoid the Olympics, but to kind of refocus on what are we about. And it is about art. And it is about having a good time as well, but it's an art festival. So we had to put it back in the logo because we want it to be clear. Hackney Wick has always been a party place because whenever you get artists, warehouses and lots of empty space, that's what's going to happen. And that's got nothing to do with the festival. That's the area. Um, So what we've done is basically shorten the hours of our festival so everything Hackney Wick, Wicked Art Festival related will have closed by 10pm and we are disassociating the festival from the late night events that take place partly because that's enforced but also it just helps us focus what the festival is about um, the area is as you say I'm, I'm really scared it's going to become like Dalston. <laughs> like, it is now the place to be seen. The weekends are packed. Like, the bars are packed. The canal's packed. Yeah. Um, and for the festival weekend, we're just encouraging all of our partners. So we're working with Crate Brewery, who's obviously a local brewer, but they want to support the artists in the area and the art as well. So they're helping us put the infrastructure in place so that we can cope. Um we're working with different venues like 90 Main Yard, um, Shapes, I mean, Foreman's Fish Island, like the um, fish smoking, salmon smoking factory. They've given us the whole space. So the centre of the festival is going to be in Foreman's. We're taking over the yard. We're creating a kind of tongue-in-cheek um, Hackney Wicked Riviera, <laughs> um, which, you know, will link up Swan Wharf, another new venue, and we're curating those spaces. So we're encouraging people to come down there and, like see the art basically 
I mean, I was going to say, you know, um, obviously you've got this issue of trying to balance the kind of um, party and the, and the arts, but um, presum- presumably since the Olympics um, have sort of opened out that whole area and you can really get easily from Stratford into Tiny Wick, I mean, has that kind of um, supported the festival for you? You know, the, the more people coming in, has that helped with funding? Is that Obviously you've got more issues with more people, but has it helped you at all? Um, not not yet, really. <laughs> <laughs> yet to see results. <laughs> um, it, it's interesting because we've also been awarded Arts Council funding this year. And um, three of those commissions are site-specific, which will stay in the area for a year. And the artists who have been chosen were um, Stephen Gill, one of the local artists that we've done a lot of work with. He's like internationally renowned photographer and other. Um, Laura Oldfield-Fold and Daryl Brown. And those pieces without giving too much away address kind of what the area was and what it is now ah. and the interesting thing is we're celebrating this wonderful park mm. which is wonderful and we love it and the waterways of london have always been something that i think is a brilliant thing about the city yeah so we love using all of those spaces but what these artists point out is we did have a wild parkland there yeah. previously before the olympics before the redevelopment and that's what the, these works are looking at you know, it was a bit of a wasteland as well, though, wasn't it? Yeah, but there was nature. Yeah. It was a you could breathe. natural wasteland. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, there are images of that site beforehand. I mean, like, change is always going to happen. It's just change. I've said it too many times lately, but change is the only certain thing mm-hmm. in life. And that's actually on one of the um, bridges along I've the canals. It. I've seen it. And I love it. Every time <laughs> I see it, I'm like, yes, this is so true. And we have to deal with it. We have to grow with it. Um so I very much do enjoy the Olympic Park and maybe we'll bring parts of the festival to that site in the future because they've got like arts and um, cultural events, spaces happening on the on that site. We've been really supported by um, London Legacy Development Corporation. Mm. Adriana in particular, she's like the, the one and only arts and culture person in that whole organisation and she's really supportive of the small like organisations in the area. But we'll see what happens with all that. Fantastic. Um, we are going to finish there. Um, but um, Anna, just before we go, if you could tell uh, the listeners where they can go on your website to find out what exactly is going on. Hackney Wicked. Wow. Yeah. OK, so we just launched the programme, I think, yesterday. Um, it's it's just totally full of amazing things happening. Um, it takes a long time to work out what you need to see in Hackney Wick. It's part of Hackney Wicked, our festival. But the website is www.hackneywicked.co.uk. Um, we're still uploading content, but when you arrive, either you can come. The best way to get to Hackney Wick, which was saying about the park, <laughs> go to Stratford. Yeah, <laughs> get off the train. Avoid Stratford. Westfield. <laughs> yeah, avoid Westfield, but just come through the park. It's like a seven-minute walk in and out um, of Hackney Wick. It's going to be less crowded, and you get a nice kind of walk through the park um, to get to Hackney Wick. And you can go um, straight to Foreman's Fish Island where you'll pick up a map and then you can start to explore. The open studios actually come open at midday, 12 o'clock, and they close at 6 p.m. So what we're really trying to say to people is get there early, mm-hmm. get there at 12. If you want to see the art and you want to yeah, get around day, the studios, it's a day festival. there's, there's yeah. hundreds of studios to see and People sometimes rock up at four and they're like, what? The studios are closed at six? So get there early if you want to really get around the place. Thank you so much and good luck. Thanks for having us. Thank Thank you. you. Bye. 
It seems that um, psychedelic music is making a bit of a comeback um, at the moment. And this 24-year-old Dutchman, Jacko Gardner, um, is definitely in a world of his own with a really distinctive Baroque sound. Um, so he's also playing at the Visions Festival on the 2nd of August. And um, this coming track is from his House on the Moon uh, album. Here's Jacko Gardner with Clear the Air.
You just heard Jacko Gardner with Clean the Air and we're East Coast and we welcome in the studio um, Zoe Bryant. Hi Zoe, how Hello. are you doing? Hello, I'm good, thank you. Thanks um, for having me again. It's always great to have you. Um, just tell us what, what are your picks on the art that is coming to um, Shoreditch and East London in general this um, week? Okay, uh, well, it's first Thursdays again next Thursday, the 7th of August. So um, I've picked three from that website, three East London ones. Um, oh, reminder, first Thursdays is the Whitechapel Gallery timeout thing that happens once a month on the first Thursday of each month. So I've picked Wanderlust by Mark Andrew Webber. Uh, it's at London Newcastle Project Space on Redchurch Street. Uh, it's the first major London solo show for him. He's a Linoca artist and he does typographic city maps, which I looked up and I recognise them. So I'm sure if you Google him, you'll recognise them. Um, and the main focus of this exhibition is the unveiling of a huge map of Berlin that he's done. It's taken 16 months to research, design and carve. So that sounds pretty good. Uh, so that's Wanderlust at London Newcastle project space. Uh, second one, Drop Dead Gorgeous um, by Alexandra Drawbridge. Um, large digital prints of cropped female faces that she's found in popular crime dramas, which I thought sounded good. So that's at the Schwartz Gallery, White Post Lane until 24th of August. Um, 80s Youth at Hackney Picture House, Mare Street. Uh, it's called The Best of Times, The Worst of Times. 11 of London's best illustrators have been commissioned to create, well, reimagine 80s movies poster posters, sorry, celebrating the best and worst of 80s movies. E.T., Ghostbusters, Stand By Me, etc. Um, and there's a not-so-private view, it says, on first Thursdays at 8 p.m. First Thursdays being the 7th of August. I'm a little bit curious about what the worst 80s movies are. Oh, definitely not plenty. Definitely not ET. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah, probably one of those things where the worst ones good. are also the best ones. Yeah, they're, they're, all, they're all cult films, aren't they? Yeah, they're all pretty good, aren't they? But yeah, that sounds good. Well, thanks, Zoe. I think That's that okay. was great. So now we welcome Andy and Graham from Ringle Finch Band. Hi, guys. Welcome to the studio. Hi. Thanks very much. It's great to be here. How are you doing? Yeah, good. It's hot. How are you? <laughs> yes, it's hot indeed. Um, but, well, we can't complain, can we? No. Better than rain. Absolutely. Okay. So I first saw you guys at the um, Finsbury pub ages ago. But I, sh I thought to myself, we definitely need to get them in. So that's what you're here for. Your, <laughs> your, your music um, blends folk, indie and some other sounds and definitely a lot of humour. I loved your gig because it was so interactive with the audience. Is that something that you guys always push for? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we always try and give uh, a fun show. Um, I mean, Graham and I and many of the band really love uh, kind of shoegaze indie, um, but it's not that much fun to watch live. They're not live. very fun, are they? No, they're really not. <laughs> so uh, we try and go the other way. Um, we try and bring some of the energy of uh, swing and hot jazz to uh, a more traditional folky uh, type indie sound. Great. Your, um, your CD was just released last Friday. That's mm, exciting. Very exciting, yeah. <laughs> Tell us a bit more about that. Where did it happen? Sure. So uh, we recorded that um, uh, up in February this year, up in Crouch End in Crypt Studios. Um, and we were lucky enough to have Ben Walker um, as our producer. Um, ben plays with Josie N. Clark, and they were up for a, a Radio 2 Folk Award this year. So um, having his uh, expert here uh, on the proceedings was really, really, uh, it's just amazing. He's such a great guy. Um, it, we then spent quite a mile in, in mixed hell, as you do with these things. So actually having the thing in our hands is, just feels amazing. And also your um, 
your music video, Drink Alone, was released last week as well. That's very exciting for you guys, isn't it? Yeah, it's absolutely <laughs> brilliant. And, and the, the response we've had to that has been uh, really, really uh, overwhelming, really. We uh, shot the thing ourselves. We edited it ourselves. We did it on a budget of zero and a packet of crisps. Um, uh, and to, to, have, to have the reaction we've had has been just amazing. Yeah, when we say ourselves, that means Andy did nearly well. all of it and made us stand in front of a wall and, and do things. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but the um, result was very interesting. Yeah. I loved it. I will draw a line there. Okay. Go and check out the video. We'll, the we'll video. put it on our um, on eastcastshow.com yeah. and uh, obviously we we'll, people can find out then. Um, you're quite a big band. That's kind of challenging, no, to have so many people on stage at the same time. Yeah, there's six of us on stage. Uh, usually today it's uh, only four, uh, but uh, uh, it's um, it's been difficult. Uh, on some stages, we've we've turned up and realised that not everyone is actually going to be able to fit on there, and some of us have sort of stood vaguely near the front or to one side next to the toilets and stuff. Yeah, like that. We, we've we've got quite good at band Tetris. Yeah. I can imagine in some of the pubs, yeah, they're not yeah. quite made to fit more than three or four people in, on their stages, so yeah, a bit of a challenge. Exactly. Have you got any gigs coming up? Um, yeah, we've got, um, obviously we had the EP launch on Friday, which was great. Uh, the next gig we've got is at uh, the Boogaloo in Highgate on the 10th of August um, with the Phoenix Collective, who are the original cast of the West End Musical Once, which is kind of random. They had so much fun, they decided to form a band, and they are great, so we're pretty excited about that. Um, then it's up to the Edinburgh Festival for us for a long weekend, um, playing a few gigs with uh, Lost Horizons Folk Club uh, at a few venues across Edinburgh uh, on the 15th to the 18th, I think that is. Yeah of august um so yeah uh, uh and then we come back take a deep breath and then autumn um loads of gigs across london um we're going to try and get more gigs in east london uh, and south as well we've mostly been gigging north so far so uh, and what are you gonna play for us today we're gonna play the single it seemed the obvious choice uh drink alone drink alone perfect right. thank you so much for coming in so before we finish with Ringle Finch, um, there's just enough time to say we're on NTS every other Monday. But in the meantime, you can catch us anytime on eastcastshow.com. And of course, uh, you can subscribe to iTunes and it will land straight into your phone. Um, so here's Ringle Finch to play us out with drink alone. With drink alone. Thanks for listening. One, two, three, and... <laughs> Perfect words, one of those tricks I never learned Like Charleston Bridge, body shots or go So let there be no pontification here The man who owns the dice owns every throw Nobody else can make you realize The naked truth slow dancing right before your eyes Knowing you like to do your thinking This time you're through, one thing I know is true Sometimes you got to drink alone got to give when you're tearing yourself apart a little silence can be hard to come by some find there's intemperance and austerity brother that's not the only way to fly 
say team and drink makes every man is fool But if nobody winds up getting hurt and it works for you then that's cool Knowing you like to do your thinking This time you through being black I'll beat you blue Sometimes you got to drink along Seeing what you've seen and being Who you've been Don't lick those wounds all nice and clean Sometimes you got to drink along Sometimes you got to drink alone. 